0: on Texans your daily Houston Texans podcast part of the locked on podcast network
1: your team every day
0: welcome in ladies and gentlemen to another installment of locked on Texans your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day and as always I'm your host Cody Davis along with my partner in crime
2: John some sports guy Hickman today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi this football season is different. We know this. Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch it, on your phone, TV. You can even watch on your watch, I think. Technology has really come a long way, and so has Pepsi, because they are the refreshment you need to power through game day. Getting tired, your team is losing at halftime, and you need that boost. Pepsi is where you need to go and become a member of the League of Football Watchers, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, but it's made for those who watch it. It's Thursday. We have our crossover edition of Locked On Texas today when Anthony Wiggins from Locked On Jacks. Both of our teams are sitting at one and six. Um, one went into this season a lot more optimistic than the other. And that'll be us here in Houston. But today we had a chance to hear from some of the players regarding how the season has been and, and where they want to be moving forward. Deshaun Watson spoke about the team building process and if he wants to be involved in that, uh, to that question he responded he wants to be involved in the process being a franchise quarterback so of course I want to make sure we're all on the same page and clicking the right way. He also spoke about Will Fuller not being traded by saying those rumors are rumors I was talking to Will during the whole process It's good to keep him in that locker room he's my brother my friend. It's good to continue to throw to him. Cody, we heard from Quincy Avery last week when we talked to him and we spoke about Deshaun Watson growing as a leader. And that being one of the aspects of his game, we'll visibly see as he gets better in his game and as he grows. And those two responses to those questions speaks directly to Avery's statement, along with how he's carried himself throughout this entire season. And and I, I love to hear those responses because we're so used to, or it's easy for us to be more involved with players' lives now, right? With social media and how news is literally, I, I want to call it a 24-7, but sometimes it seems like it's faster than that. But Deshaun has been a true professional. On the field, he's definitely been getting better. His accuracy, uh, the way he's been playing, especially since the firing of Bill O'Brien, you see that dynamic, that... I'm not going to say we were wondering where it went. We just knew it was due to the fact that maybe the person over him does not know how to utilize him. And now he's utilizing himself and he's been who he's been this entire time. We just forgot about it because it wasn't being seen. On the flip side, uh, JJ White is really speaking for the city along with himself. When he speaks about the future, uh, they asked him about the future hires for coach and GM. And his response was, how can I get excited excited about something I don't know? I have no clue about their philosophy. I don't even know who the candidates are. And honestly, that's the truth, right? When we look at everything going along with the process, they're not going to make an in-season decision, right? We know that. So it's not like we're hearing names that could possibly be candidates. We know nothing, and I'm sure even with Cal hiring football minds to help with the process and them understanding that the next move must be the best move, they truly don't know nothing as far as a list of surefire candidates as of right now. J.J. Watt also spoke about the trade deadline passing with no major deals for the Texans. Uh, he, he mentioned that there's no, there's no more speculation, there's no more distraction. Now it is what it is, and you move forward. He just wants to build a championship for this team. He's not looking to rebuild. And also, just more news for the Houston Texans. Cowley Manuel didn't practice due to a concussion. Randall Cobb did not practice due to an illness, but it is not COVID 19 related. Bradley Roby and Jordan Aikens participated fully in practice. The Texans have agreed to terms with veteran quarterback Josh McCown. Why? I'm not sure. Um, I think A.J. McCarron, he hasn't seen the game, so I don't see the need in bringing in McCown right now.
0: And speaking of the trade day line, there was more news regarding the Houston Texans and their lack of movement during the NFL trade day line. And while the biggest news was the Green Bay Packers and the Houston Texans not agreeing to a deal regarding Will Fuller, Aaron Wilson of the Houston Chronicles, a friend of the show, I can say now since he was on the show last Thursday, he reported that the Seattle Seahawks made an offer to the Texans that would have sent a fifth-round draft pick to Houston in exchange for outside linebacker Jacob Martin. As we all know, Martin was a part of that big trade that sent Jadavion Clowney over to Seattle over a year ago. And when I heard this news, this lets me know that everything that Romeo Connell said about not trading for peanuts was 100% accurate and 100% true. And it's to the point now, is it safe to say that the Texans were a little bit too unrealistic about the high value that they placed on their players? Because Jacob Martin for a fifth round pick, would you or would you have not taken that deal? To be honest with you, I would like to say that the Texans did right by not sending Jacob Martin over for that fifth round pick. But at the end of the day, this is a guy that the Texans are not using. And it just goes back to them not using their younger guys. I actually had an opportunity to ask Romeo Cannell, what's the likelihood, what's the possibility that we're going to see more of the younger guys heading into the second half of the season? And he told me that it's up to the players. It's up to their ability to play on the field, which I do agree with that. But if you go back and look at the number of snaps that these young players have, most of them outside Ross Blacklock, they have yet to see over 20 snaps per game?
2: That's a very interesting question, and I struggled with that. Um, but I think keeping Jacob Martin was the right decision uh, because you know that you can plug him in and he can give you some type of production. It bothers me that we are not seeing more of him. It's actually bothering me that you know, for the limited amount of playing time that he gets, he's been very productive.
0: Exactly.
2: And it bothers me that we're still, even at one and six, we are still delegating time to veterans that haven't proved to be worth the playing time. Um, But I understand that with Romeo Cornell – As young as he can come off, he's 70 years old. He's been in the league 30-plus years. And he's still an older mentality coach in a sense. But there's no reason why Merciless should be getting substantial more playing time than Jacob Martin. There's no reason why Brendan Scarlett should be getting substantial more playing time than Jacob Martin, unless there's something we're not seeing that's going on at practice, then that'll change things. But ultimately, overall, if you're not going to trade him for a fifth-round draft pick, which honestly you could use right about now to just help you get some more draft capital, but if you're not going to use him, then come Sunday, I want to see more of him. I think we all want to see more of Jacob Martin. I think we all want to see more of Jacob Martin and less Whitney Merciless. You know, I also want to tell you guys about Built Go, right? It's it's just amazing. It's kind of sweeping the, the workout nation. It's sweeping the gyms. It's keeping everybody where they need to be. And, uh, Built Go just makes you the best you at whatever you do. That's what it does. That is the main objective. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break right through it with Go Every Day. Easy to take in a 1.5 ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. If you're playing some flag football with your boys, it's good for that. Or you can just put it in your pocket to get through the day. Bilgo Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's so natural for the body. It's just completely better. It's like drinking a monster with a third of caffeine and better results with three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and my favorite chocolate mint. I like mint, you know, mint, mint, it gives you like this fresh feeling at the end. You know what I mean? Whenever you drink it or eat it. Built Go combines energy gel with a collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into the system fast. Plus it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff And it's great to ignite your work. It ignites my work as well. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! What's going on, everybody? It is Thursday, which means you are set And listening to another edition of our crossover, Locked On crossover edition with Locked On Texans. And Sunday, we take on our cousin from another mother, another city, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who also sit at one and six. So there will be a one and six matchup. But, you know, welcome into the show, Anthony Wiggins of Locked On Jags. We were going to have a very fun show, as we always do. Get some knowledge on both sides and see where each team is heading in which direction—south uh, or north—and in both cases, at one and six, we're pretty bad right now. So the only way is up. You'd expect well, somebody has to lose this game and somebody has to win. Wig, what's going on, my brother?
1: What's up, man? What's up? What's up, John and Cody? Y'all the best one and six team I've ever seen in in the history of football. I, I, I say that because. I actually like your quarterback. I like at <laughs> certain aspects of your team. Y'all been competitive in a lot of games. Uh tough schedule. Tough to have a good
2: one in six team. Wow.
1: Tough schedule. Tough schedule. Best one in six teams. Kind of like the Bears a few weeks ago was like the worst five and one team I ever saw. You guys are, you know one in six is hard. Like we one and six, y'all one and six, but y'all way better than us.
0: So mm. uh uh-uh. yeah. I would say yes, only because, like you mentioned, we have Deshaun Watson as our quarterback. But before we start talking about the game on Sunday, I do want to ask you, because every time we have a locked on crossover with the opposite team, I always like to go back and listen to a couple of episodes just so I can get a feel of what's going mm-hmm. on within the organization. And we I want to ask you this question. You had posted a show by saying that you would rather be the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars moving forward versus right. the Houston Texans. Now right. I, I need a little bit more insight into why, because yes, both teams are a little bit dysfunctional right now, but the Houston Texans do have a franchise quarterback in Deshaun Sean Watson versus you guys. Who's to say who's going to be the starting quarterback as you guys enter into the 2021 season.
1: Right. I, let me explain. I, I do, you know, like I said, I think Deshaun Watson, you heard the show. So I said, I thought Deshaun Watson was top six, top seven in the league. And if you go by character and all of those things, I said, he was like the Texans version of Russell Wilson, which makes him top three, top four. And I do like Laramie Tunsil. The problem is some of your other parts are older and uh, like JJ Watt and, and some of the other pieces. And you guys don't have, in my opinion, the draft capital over the next couple of years to replenish that. So if I'm a GM coming into that situation, I better be the best GM on the history of in, in the history of the NFL or be really, really good at going out and finding a little pieces to surround him with. Because it's gonna be really, really frustrating, in my opinion, to surround him with pieces that are cheap. And it's all, you know, it's a bad thing to have a great quarterback and not be able to afford to put pieces around him. So the Jaguars have four of the top 41 picks in this year's draft. One of them is going to be a top five pick. The other one is going to be another first round pick. And then they have like 11 or 12 other picks in this draft. And they have the most salary cap room available in free agency this year. So with a clean slate as a GM, I would love that. And you have, you don't, they're not tied to any veteran players. They don't have a lot of contracts for older players that they have to keep or have to try to jettison off to get rid of. So, from that standpoint, just purely from an optic standpoint, without the emotional attachment, I would would rather be in that situation. And the quarterback aside, and the quarterback is the most important, and we know that. But I think it's going to be, you know, you look around, you see, look at Green Bay right now. They're struggling to put, and they got Devontae Adams. They're struggling to put other pieces around Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not even talking about on offense. I'm talking about on defense. They ain't got no hind parts, man. They can't stop anybody. It's because they have salary that's so spread out amongst veterans. And then they just don't have the capital. And they're too good because they pick so late. They're too good to really be able to add quality pieces. And Aaron Rodgers is a first ballot hall of famer with a bullet. That's what I mean. That's a very, very difficult situation. When you come into a brand new situation, and that's what I I, I meant by the podcast, you come into a brand new situation, oh, with no emotional attachment, give me the bare minimum bone dry situation with a bunch of picks and a bunch of salary cap and let me build it from nothing. That's what I'd rather do.
2: You guys are always in the top, you know, five or ten picks of the uh, first round draft Last year, you guys went out and got Josh Allen, who had a phenomenal rookie season. He made a Pro Bowl last year as a rookie, 10 and a half sacks. But this year has kind of fell off drastically. Is it because of Calais Campbell's absence now that he's in Baltimore? Or, you know, what's really going on with Josh Allen? Because I was just sure he would continue to wreck this division. And he's, he's fell off a lot.
1: Well, you're right. And that's been another subject of one of my, of several of my podcasts. The thing that Josh had last year, and you know, fans do this, man. Fans love to go. We ain't got to pay Yannick Ngakwe because we got Josh Allen and he's better. And I'm like, be careful what you ask for. Because you lose Calais Campbell and you lose Yannick Ngakwe. And now Josh Allen has to be Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe for the new pick. Which is von Chason, the other first round pick. Well, now Josh Allen has two sacks, and between Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell, they have like nine or ten between them, and they're somewhere else. And von Chason has one. So the Jaguars have like five or six as a team, and Yann has five by himself. It's it, you know ain't no fun when the rabbits got the gun. Josh Allen doesn't even look like the same player. He had ten and a half sacks on sixty percent snaps last year. He doesn't even look like the same guy. I make it a point during the game to watch him because fans like to go, well, he's being doubled this year. So the other guy has to get off. Well, if you say that those guys, those veterans were doubled last year, so that's why Allen was able to get off, then that means Calavon needs to be getting off because Calavon is a rookie just like Josh was last year. None of that's happening. None of it. So at some point you have to start saying what's going on. So I make it a point to watch him and I tweet during the game. Watch number 41. Watch number 41. Ain't nobody doubling him. Nobody's doubling him. He's just not twitchy. He, he You know, he looks good. He looks the part. He's built like Miles Garrett. You just don't see that twitchy explosiveness. And a lot of people gave Mike Mayock grief by not picking him and picking that kid from Clemson. It doesn't look that bad now by not picking him because he just doesn't look like a twitchy Von Miller, explosive 10 sack, Nick Bosa type guy. People were saying he was better than Nick Bosa. I don't think he is. And uh, he just doesn't look like that dude. And, you know, I talked to some people in the building, they say, you know, he's been nursing some injuries and he's missed a couple of games this year. But I think that's a bunch of excuses because to me, when I see him play, I just don't see a disruptive 10, 12 MVP sack type dude. The thing is, they used two straight picks on defensive ends and they still need a defensive end now. And I wouldn't be surprised
0: if they addressed it again early in the draft or in free agency. What do you know about rookie quarterback Jake Luton, who will be replacing Gardner Menchu in the lineup this Sunday? And speaking of Gardner Minshew, what is the outlook between him and his organization heading into next season? That's funny that you asked, man. Uh, when, when Gardner came out,
1: the fans – because you don't win around here, the fans need something to grasp on to. So they grasped on to his, his, the way he dressed, his haircut, the mustache, the women grasped on to the way he looked, and the fact that he wore off shorts, and his personality, the cool persona. And that was cool. And then the fact that he got up to such a hot start, it made it. You know, the mania was attached to it. And he won some games. He was 6-6 six six as a rookie. I told people to stop with the character caricature stuff and pay attention to football and football only, because at the end of the day, that's, what's going to be the thing that, you know, makes or breaks him. because it, you know, when you win or lose, the only thing people are going to pay attention to is what's on the field. And now the mania is gone. And what I mean by that is he's not done by any stretch of the imagination, but the mania surrounding him is gone because just like when he was the backup, he was the most popular player on the team. The most popular player on the team now is Jake Luton. He's the backup. And when the team continued to lose and Minshew was struggling and people didn't realize why he was struggling, people were starting to call for Jake Luton who looked good in the preseason. who You know, people raved about him. All of the media raved about him. The fans didn't see it because there were no preseason games and the fans weren't allowed at practice. But the fans wanted to see what it was all about. He's a tall kid. He's 6'6" ball comes out really fast, quick release. Doug Marone and both Jay Gruden, and people viewed this as a little bit of a shot to Minshew today, when Jay Gruden said he's 6'6", six, six, the ball comes out quick, he has a, a fast, a quick release, and he gets beyond his first read. And for him to say that means, well, does the other guy does not get beyond his first read? And then Marone was pressed the other day to find out if uh, if he plays well, does it guarantee that when Ben Shoes healthy, which I'll talk about in a second, does he get his job back? Marone wouldn't say it, he wouldn't. He wouldn't commit to that. So the mania is gone. Uh, you know, at, at anything, you know, it'll just prove that they've got two six-round picks that can play and win games in this league and be assets. I don't think, regardless, you know, this kid will have to absolutely turn it upside down for the Jaguars to not go looking for a quarterback in the draft next year. But in terms of Minshew, people can think it's, it's heroic. He hurt himself in the Houston game and didn't tell anybody. It wasn't until the bye week that he went and got his hand looked at and and it said that he had three fractures in his thumb. He didn't even inform the coaches that he was hurt. So some people can look at that as him braving it out and trying to tough it out. But the coaching staff looked at that the way I looked at it and that was that you didn't tell him that you were injured. Therefore, it affected play calling. If if you're hurting, you can't throw it a, a certain way. It affected the way, you know, you were throwing the ball. And we all thought it was just performance based. I thought he had a dead arm and the receivers and their body language was bad. And guys were saying after the game, we're open and we're just not getting the ball. And people thought it was just something wrong with him. And, and all of a sudden this injury comes up. So now you make the coaches look bad because for three games, they've been calling stuff you can't do. You, can't, you have to have more transparency and at least tell your offensive coordinator that there's something going on with you so they can make an informed decision on how they're going to game plan. And he didn't do that. So I think it violated a trust that has to be there. They won't discipline him for it, but they said he needed to be more transparent with them. So I just think a little bit of that trust issue is gone. And uh, along with that, the luster has gone too in, in the eyes of the fans.
2: It does seem like Jay Gruden and Doug Marone have some trust in Luton going into this game on Sunday. But does the fan base and the players have trust in Doug Marone and Jay Gruden, not only uh, to finish this season, but is there a chance that they won't, won't be back next year?
1: Fans, the fans lost trust in Doug Marone last year. Um, the fans, the reason why the fans, the fans want him gone, but the fans don't want him gone right now is because normally when you make a coaching change and you guys know this when you make a coaching change you might go on a winning streak and if you go on a winning streak guess what happens you lose draft position the weirdest thing right now is and you guys in Houston don't care about this because you don't own your draft pick I wish but, we did right. we would yeah, be sitting lovely us, right son. now if we did <laughs> right, right. Don't right. you don't own your right you don't own your draft pick so the thing is is the fans here they they want the draft choice you know And most of them have been tweeting and and responding to my show saying it would be so Jaguar of them to go out here and put this six-round kid in. This is what they want. Let me finish that point. It'd be so Jaguar of them to put this kid in there and win three games down the stretch and end up picking eighth. They said that's that's exactly what they – they missed out on Andrew Luck, I believe. I think it was Andrew Luck or somebody. They missed out on either Andrew Luck or somebody else a few years ago because they won a couple of games down the stretch when they could have had a franchise quarterback. And they, they just said, it's just the Jaguars. This is what they do. And um, they want Luton to play well, but they just want to lose while he does it because they want to see the other guys. They want to see Chark. They want to see LaVisca Chanel. They want to see the parts look good and they want the players to develop, but they, you know, Because they just want the guys to look good moving forward, but they want them to look good forward while they lose the game and keep the draft position. In fact, they're rooting for the Giants and the Jets to lose so they could actually get in the top two so they could get either Fields or Lawrence.
2: Lawrence, if they had an opportunity to snag him, that'd be big. I'm just not big on Ohio State quarterbacks anymore.
1: um, I'm I'm not not with that. You know why I'm not with that? Because, you know, we can say we ain't big on Wisconsin quarterbacks. We say we ain't big on LSU quarterbacks. Russell Wilson was a Wisconsin quarterback. Burrow was a – Joe Burrow was a LSU quarterback. We we can do that every year when we look at these guys that's coming into the league. As long as the coach changed – see, under Urban Meyer, you're you're right. But this ain't an Urban Meyer quarterback. Yeah, but the difference between
2: Wisconsin and LSU is they're never in discussion to have great quarterbacks – you have Russell Wilson, and then boom! How long before you had one of those? And Russell Wilson was a uh, third-round pick, fourth-round pick. So you had Russell Wilson, who the Seahawks find, and with Marshawn Lynch in the Legion of Boom, we 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 had an opportunity to let Russell grow, and then now we're seeing Russell for one of the most dominant quarterbacks right, in right. the league. And then, but see,
1: but see, um, I guess she, so I'm, I'm, where I'm going is if I go well, I don't want an Oklahoma quarterback because of Sam Bradford, but I'll take Kyler Murray. And I don't want a Texas Tech quarterback, and nobody that played in a Cliff Kingsbury, Mike Leach offense, because of because of Graham Harrell, or because of. And then look at look at this kid in Kansas City. I think what happens is over time, bro. If if it's not the same, Ryan Day is totally different. I think Ryan Day is is not Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer basically with Ohio State and everybody after or before Urban Meyer. Every mile goes back to Florida with Tebow and all of those guys. But I do think Ryan Day, Ryan Day's talked about, some people mention him as a potential head coach in the NFL because of the way he runs a program. So I do think Justin Fields is different. And I'm probably biased because I saw him a lot in high school when he was at Atlanta. He was with Cam Newton, seven on team. For a while, everybody thought he was going to Florida State, and he was going to be the next Jameis Winston. And then he went to Georgia. Then he transferred. I so I think that. I'm 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 probably looking at it from that perspective. I'm looking at him as an individual. That kid can play, and he ain't no Dwayne Haskins either. He no, he is not. And I Yeah, he's the real deal.
2: I definitely agree, but I, I just think I, those Ohio State and the the offensive program, it just seems like it's is meant for the quarterback to have those numbers Uh, but we have a spectacular quarterback here in Houston we're going to talk about the Houston Texans on the other side of the break flipping over down to H-Town don't go nowhere locked on Thursday crossover edition
1: all right man it's locked on Jaguars locked on Texans crossover edition on a Thursday big game big game it's hard to say big game when you got two teams is one and six but Jaguars are playing for draft position and or or playing to not lose draft position, if you will. So uh we got my man Cody Davis and my man John Hickman does a great job. John, I saw you, too, uh, on uh, Locked on Sunday, the Sunday show
2: the other day. Yeah, man, I had to. um I hope none of my employers hear this, but it was one of those Sundays where I just did not feel like it. And uh I had a sick day, so I took it.
1: No doubt, man. I did, did the fake cough and
2: everything. Don't do their locked on listeners. Don't do the fake cough. But I did the whole night yeah. like you know, practice before I called.
1: Yeah, I checked, I checked you out, man. So uh it was all it was all it was it was a good job. I came on right on after you, as a matter of fact. But um you guys um one and six, I, I did mention early in the show that I thought you guys were the absolute best one in 16 I've seen in a while. And the reason why I say that is because I, I think you guys have been real competitive in a lot of games and um, being that, you know, a lot of this is attached to the coaching change. I also thought Atlanta, Atlanta is pretty, is a decent team since their coaching change uh, yeah. has happened that they've, they've played a lot better and they've been a more competitive, but what makes you guys special, obviously is a quarterback, I love Deshaun Watson and I know you guys asked me in, in the last show, I mean in the last uh, segment, why I would take Jacksonville, and I had to go and explain that to you, but I want you guys to explain to us uh, where do you guys go now from uh, Bill O'Brien, and I know Romeo Cornell has stepped in with a lot of class, and um, and has done a really good job. It's the second time he's had to step in and do this. He did this before in Kansas City, but uh, obviously he's not the long-term answer. We're hearing a lot about Eric B. enemy. What's the um, what's the temperature like uh, with that? What are the fans thinking? What do you guys have a gut feeling of what, what's going to happen in terms of a GM and a coach? Is it, is it the enemy or what are you guys hearing?
2: Yeah, I, I think um, if you're a star quarterback who has endured in his first few seasons a record-breaking sack number uh, and then now he's enduring a one-in-six season after just receiving his big contract and everything has been going in disarray, you kind of listen to what he wants, right? Uh, But before we even look at a head coach, you got to look at GM. Now, early in the week, we talked about uh, the favorites that we thought would be good for Houston, and I'm big on Ed Dodds. The reason why I'm big on Ed Dodds is simply because we don't draft until the third round. Ed Dodds' record for late-round picks when he was in Seattle with that scouting department is phenomenal, right? And so you go find your GM, then you can find your head coach. But the feeling right now, the city of Houston, which this team is, they still believe that they can compete. The NFL is looking for uh, – they're trying to vote on the eighth seating for each conference. I think if that works out, Houston may have an opportunity. The thing about it is everybody else will kind of have to lose around them, but this team is still competitive. J.J. wants to win. He was adamant about not leaving. He's adamant about trying to win a championship here in Houston. Deshaun Watson, we spoke with Quincy Avery last week. He's He's very – Uh, He spoke about he's admin about Deshaun Watson's growth will come when his leadership starts to show more and more. And that's what we're seeing when you endure a one in six season and you're not throwing any temper tantrums in the media or or shady comments on on social media. That's what we look for in 2020 in this new era of quarterbacks and leaders. And Deshaun Watson has been one of those. So we know that Cornell isn't the long term answer. He's going to get this team ready to the best of his ability. Me and Cody want to see some of the younger guys play more to see what we have on this roster talent-wise. Uh, but ultimately, they are still going to compete because they feel and they believe, which, you know, call it call them crazy if you want. But at one to six, they still believe that they can make a difference.
1: Yeah, with that extra playoff spot, that's what I was going to ask you. And maybe I had that wrong when I was talking about their roster. But when I was talking about some older players, I was talking about Watt, and I was talking about maybe moving forward with some of their receivers, you know, Cooks isn't really older and and Fuller isn't really that much older and and, and maybe Kenny Stills isn't really that much older and, I, and probably Kiki Kuti and all those guys aren't really that much older but the Jaguars are like really really young at those positions as opposed to being 26, 27, 28 the Jaguars are 22, 23 so that's what I meant by that but are there spots where they where they could get younger and and how have they done in those in those rounds? where they have players in development right now and those younger players that you're talking about, what what do they, they look like roster-wise in terms of, okay, if they have to turn to some younger guys, do they at least have the bodies on the team? Because they're going to have that many picks, especially in the early rounds in the next couple of years.
2: Yeah, so with the guys we have on the roster, the younger guys right now, uh, with no offseason, it's been very tough. So we haven't seen a lot of Ross Blacklock. We haven't seen any of John Grenard outside of a couple of special team players. Haven't seen John Reed, hasn't seen Isaiah Copeland. Uh, the pandemic really screwed up a lot in terms of what this team wanted to maybe look at with the young guys. And even at the running back position, we have Scotty Phillips and our buddy Howell. But before we assess the talent, the younger talent on this roster, the problem I think that Houston has is it is not really good. It's not The coaching staff here hasn't been good for a while now on grooming younger players to be good. I've had an issue with Mike Devlin being here in Houston for a very long time. Uh, I play offensive lineman, and granted, I haven't played that position seriously since high school, which was 10 years ago. But the way Mike Devlin has been in Houston, we haven't necessarily seen growth outside of guys that were already just studs. We haven't seen growth in our younger players, because Vernon Hargrave is only, this is his fourth year in the league. Garyon Conley, who we, has, who we haven't seen, uh, he's young in the league as well. Uh, we look at a lot of our other cornerbacks and defensive players like Justin Reed. Our secondary coaching isn't really good, hasn't been good. Has shown that they can be good in coaching our guys up. Uh, the only hope that we have is Romeo Cornell and his 30-plus years of experience and knowing what to – what and what not to put out on on the field but he also mentioned if he put them out there and they don't look good and with this opportunity that they may have to get that eighth seed they're not going to stay out there so it's going to be very hard to kind of dissect what Houston needs moving forward because we won't really get the real opportunity to see what we have here and and I think that's a huge issue but that's a bullet we're going to have to bite.
1: So, Deshaun Watson and and J.J. Watt and the leaders of this team, since Bill O'Brien has left,
0: how's the morale been? Well, it's kind of too early to tell right now. I mean, of course, you can tell that players are a little bit more happier. But at the end of the day, you're looking at a situation where the Texans have only won one game since his departure. So everybody was happy that one week, but over those last two other games, they went back to just being miserable. I mean, JJ Watt, I'm pretty sure you have seen it. JJ Watt has continuously looked pissed in every single press conference that we do with with him. And Deshaun Watson said prior to heading into the bye week that he has never been one in six in his entire life. It's still too early to tell how the morale is with this team, but When you look at their on-field play, you can tell by not having Bill O'Brien here, you can see a difference, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Because... Houston is averaging 29 points and 421 total yards over their last three games since Bill O'Brien's firing in comparison to averaging just 20 points and 320 total yards through the first four games. The big factor of that turnaround that we are starting to see on the field on the offensive side of the ball is the fact that Tim Kelly, and Romeo Cannell, is doing a better job putting Watson in a position where he can go out there and make his own decision, putting him in a position where he can go out there and succeed, playing to his strengths. But at the same time, that's only on offense and basically just in a passing game because the running game has just been so terrible. Then you take a look at on the defensive side of the ball, it's still bad, if not a little bit worse. The Texans have only recorded one turnover since the two fumbles they recovered against the Jacksonville Jaguars a few weeks ago. They still have a problem with stopping the run. The secondary has looked even worse. In fact, in our last game, when we played against the Green Bay Packers, they gave up a total of 239 passing yards. Well, you might look at that and say, well, you know, that's not so bad. But it is bad when you allow one guy in Devontae Adams to record 196 yards by himself. So it's kind of hard to say how the Texans have looked without Bill O'Brien because it hasn't been that much of a difference. But at the end of the day, it's all going to revolve around what they do in the offseason, who they hire as general manager, who do they hire as the head coach? Right. Right. So
1: in terms of Sunday's game, I'll tell you what I think might happen. Um, the Jaguars defense can't stop anybody. They've had six straight games where they've given up 30 points they have a problem with running quarterbacks and I don't think that's going to stop Sunday with Deshaun Watkins, uh, Watson, I'm sorry. And you guys have speed at receiver and you also know how to mix the run in. So I do think you guys will approach that 30 point mark. And I also think Luton will have his moments, but um, his inexperience will show. I think Romeo Cornell is smart, uh, has been around the block. Those 70, that 70 year old man has, has a lot of years, uh, with defense and I, and I think he'll confuse a rookie all day so I look for while the game will be competitive for a while I do look for Houston to pull away um, and confuse the young man and uh, Jaguars will be one and seven and I think Houston will get their second win of the year.
0: Yeah you know we touched on it a little bit the NFL voting on an AC playoff conference and this game is extremely important not Muscle just getting a win, but the Texans need to find a way to make sure they found a mojo that can carry them over into the next four or five games because it's one thing to go out and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars a team. It's really not gonna take much to beat you guys. No disrespect, but like I said the last time we did this crossover show, you guys are no longer Saxonville. You guys are no longer the team who was who threatened the New England Patriots to get to the Super Bowl. And that was just what three years ago. Right. Um, you guys are going through a rebuild a rebuild process. And Deshaun Watson said it on his media availability on yesterday. He does not consider this a rebuild. JJ Watt said the same thing. Both of these guys, which means the team as a whole is just viewing these first seven games as just a bump in the road. You look at our schedule, it was very tough. But if they would like to salvage their season, if they would like to possibly make a push towards the eight seed, it's going to have to start Sunday. And it's going to be more than just getting a W against the Jaguars. Sunday is a great opportunity. Once again, no disrespect to you guys, but it's just a great opportunity in order for them to make something of this 2020 season. Sounds like you guys are looking for more than a victory. You guys are looking for a start to get a rhythm,
1: to get a rhythm going. The win is one thing and that's important. But you want to win and you want to win the right way and get a rhythm. And the Jaguars are are really looking for they're looking for rhythm. And the fans are going, let's get a rhythm and look good, but we don't necessarily want to win. That's that's <laughs> what it sounds like to me. All right, man, so it's been fun. This crossover edition with Locked On Jaguars, Locked On Titans. Always good to talk to Cody Davis and John Hickman, like they say. Cousins, we can be cousins, we can be brothers, but from another mother, that's my family, man. I'm sad, man, because it's probably the last time until the offseason, so we have to stay in touch on Twitter, you know what I'm saying?
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, Twitter the my stomping ground. I love to have fun on Twitter. Throughout the day, there are so many times where I may tweet something, and right before I hit send, I just back out. Because I don't want to embarrass sometimes, the network, but man, sometimes
1: sometimes backing out is good, man. I, Ooh, I probably two weeks. I pro- I probably should back out more than I do, but I don't. My backout game is real weak right now on Twitter, so I'm learning my lesson, man. Y'all
0: boys, take care, man. I appreciate y'all having me. And that will conclude another installment of Locked On Texans, only on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at CodyDavis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And be sure to follow Locked On Texans on all your favorite podcast streaming services. And be sure to follow Locked On Texans at Locked On Texans on Twitter, Facebook, and now Instagram. We have an Instagram page as well.
2: I'm John. Some sports guy hit Thank you guys for checking out the crossover edition of locked on. Follow us on Twitter. Like Cody said, and I'm going to ask you guys this question because as we're recording this, it, I just saw it. And so I'm just baffled, but. Has any of our listeners ate at Arby's? Oh, uh, seen an Arby's or so here's the thing. I know where. Two Arby's are in the city of Houston.
0: I, I haven't. Uh, there's see, I, one, I don't think I've never seen one.
2: Well, there's one off the Ship Channel in 610, and then there's another one uh, around the Katy area off the um, I-10 Katy Freeway. So I do know of two. Right, I, I do know of two. Uh, And I also think there's one in the Missouri City Highway 6 part of Missouri City. I'm not sure, but I do know of two. But Arby's just bought Duncan and Baskin and Robbins for $11 billion. And I don't know that they have $11 billion worth of customers. So that leads me to believe, maybe it's just not a Southern thing that Arby's isn't popular in the South, which I can see we have Popeye's, we love chicken down here, right? Or Arby's is a drug front. And I'm leaning towards Arby's is, is, is a way to launder money. And if so, I got some chicken wings you guys could put on the menu if you just want to outside, you know. Investor. Invest in me, actually. I'm just playing around just a little bit. But until tomorrow, guys, thank you for checking out another edition of The Crossover and the Locked On Texans podcast. You guys be safe out there. Love. Peace. Go Texans. Hopefully, we beat the Jaguars' ass on Sunday. Go to 2-6, and baby.